Hey, this is Alec. Hey, this is Samir. And this is Beyond the Beats, a podcast about EDM news and culture. Welcome to episode 50. Let's get it. What up, EDM champions? Guys, I got the biggest smile on my face right now because we are here at episode 50. We got a loaded show and we're going to talk about it in just a little bit. But you know what, man? I got to get this song in front of you guys because this has been tearing up my weekend. Check this out. My on repeat this week is Martin Horger and Autosan teaming up for the song Feel So Right. You're going to love this. Take a listen. Man, Samir, when you texted this song over to me, you said that you knew, you knew from the moment that you heard this track that I would be a massive fan of it. And I'll tell you (laughs) what, man, I am a big, big fan. Big ups to this song, man. How'd you come across it? I'm so excited to be talking about this right now because so we follow Musical Freedom, which is Tiesto's record Mm -hmm. label on Instagram. And last week they previewed that this song was coming out and Uh. I heard a small snippet and I like Martin Horger. Obviously, that song "You Don't" is amazing, right? So when, when I and so when I heard this, I was like, "Holy shit! Yep. This is crazy!" Mm-hmm. Like the creativity on this drop is just absolutely insane. Mind boggling. Mind boggling. It is. It, it, it's a trip. It really is. But it's so danceable. Every single person I've played this song for is like, "Yo." What is this song? It was just released this past Friday, and I gotta say, Tiesto and his team has a fantastic ear for house music. Obviously, the master himself is really into it these days. You could tell from his latest releases, all of his sets, and I have a feeling that this song is going to be circulating in his sets for uh, for this year, and I'm very excited for everybody to be hearing this one. This really is a dope house banger and is so unique and so fresh. I hope people are shuffling to this as they listen to this episode. This is a fantastic house song. Man, I just had to take myself off of mute because I was shuffling there myself. I just muted Oh, sorry, the mic. I was I on mute. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I was on mute there. 
<laughs> Dude, what an amazing hey, who just track. <laughs> ex- ex- who's this? Excuse me? Uh, Sorry. Uh, Tiffany, I have to re-go everything. Well, I'd say oh, yeah. thank you so much. And great pronunciation, by the way. You actually thank nailed you. the the names properly. I'm glad. We, we thank you, brother. I, 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 was, I was practicing in the mirror. I was like, Martin mm. Hoja. You know, <laughs> sounding out the syllables over Jesus. here. But, uh, <laughs> All right. Episode yeah. 50. Baby, what are we talking about? Dude, we've got so much great stuff. I know we always say that week over week, but genuinely for episode 50, we brought out some big, big topics. We're going to be talking yes. about, I've got to put on my little professor glasses over here, because guess what, people? We're taking you on EDM History 101. This is going to be a new segment that we do maybe once or twice a month, something like that, where we do a deep dive or a little bit of a briefing on the history of certain subculture, uh, subgenres of and the different cultures of all the different edm types out there so definitely stay tuned for that we also have a chat with sakura from relentless events over in the uk it's a great topic there and lastly our big third topic is the coronavirus you know everyone's talking about that in terms of music kicking it off we're going to be talking about two amazing releases from an og artist we're watching volick we also talk about misfit other great fresh releases we'll discuss to include a lesso chris lake or rather the noisy remix of one of his songs of salado retrovision ac slater and a couple of other songs in there too then wrapping it up we've got two fantastic as always sections for you we've got the what are we listening to section not going to spoil that one but we've got two fantastic tracks and again the last one probably the epitome of the beyond the beats podcast we've got the artists we're watching section two fantastic artists that we're going to go over today all right man kicking it back off to the top teased about it before this guy's an og shout out to volick because he just dropped Love two him. banging tracks let's talk about the bad shape one first my man samir what are your thoughts Dude, first of all, I just love that we have two Volick tracks to talk about this week on episode 50, just because both of them cultivate two different vibes that just shows you how versatile of an artist Volick really is. The first one we're going to play for you guys, as Alec has already mentioned, this is Volick's song, Bad Shape. Guys, take a listen, because you're going to love this shit if you like to headbang. Here we go. Okay, we'll take a minute there, man. Yeah, he yeah, catch your breath just, there. I know he's left yeah, me in good? bad shape with this track. Yeah. I'll tell you, dude. It the, he is just—it's amazing seeing him progress, and just 
just from the initial releases that we've talked about, when he was really kind of a starting off, just getting his sound together, he's just really cultivated this very unique sound. How would you even categorize this, man? I don't even know where. Yeah. It's hard to, right? Yeah, it's there's like, just it's so like... many different influences in here. I, because I, I hear a lot of electro influences yes. in his in his sound. I hear obviously like a lot of uh, very heavy bass music as well. You yes. know, um, you know, like more modern day U.S. based dubstep. It's just like what I love is that his songs go hard, and there are some artists in the bass music scene that are like, okay, I'm trying to make a song that just blows people's minds and makes them snap their necks at the rail, right? What Volik does very well is he accomplishes that, but also at the same time, he injects a lot of emotion into his music. And even in the breaks, you can just tell, like, Volik is just letting out these emotions in every single track that he drops. And that's why Bad Shape is such a great song, because it goes hard, but you also got the emotional aspect to it. Yeah, man, that's a really great way to put it. You know, you can Thank see you. influences of Emma's Porter in there as well, yep. right? Definitely in there. And just it's just fantastic seeing him just really develop and cultivate that sound. So without further ado, let's drop his second track that we're going to be talking about today. It's go. called Outer Edge. Take a listen. First off, just want to give a shout out to our friends over at Electric yes, Hawk for just dropping their second compilation, the Huge. Rebirth compilation. First of all, Alec, I mean, that compilation is absolute insanity. Insanity, like, right? So I mean, much Jesus variety. Jesus Christ, they put so much stuff into it. It's amazing. I know. It's the, it's I couldn't just, believe it. I was I like, know. holy shit, all these young, talented artists up there, man. It's just amazing. I know. Well done to Dariel and his team. Back to Volick. This song, I felt like, is it's a little bit more emotional and it's a little bit more powerful from Volick as compared to Bad Shape. Still, both great songs, but Bad Shape, like I said, is a little bit more aggressive. Outer yep. Edge is a little bit more... Still, you still got Volick's aggression in there, but also a little bit more emotional, relying on making you feel some feels. Alec, your thoughts, please. Well, I'd love to hear this into a set. You know, Actually, I'd love to hear both tracks because yeah. they can modulate your emotions, your mood perfectly, as you said before, man. So expertly pointed out, Bad Shape is definitely 
a little bit harder there. It's going to get you probably headbanging a bit more, get you moving. This one's just got a little bit more emotion in there for you, so it's really rounding off that nice little mini journey through these two tracks. I can see why he definitely dropped both of these, right? And we were talking about both of them rather than just one of them in isolation. I think they're fantastic tracks that kind of mirror each other and just create this very unique and neat little storyline here so shout out to you volik great job with that all right last one for this section this week my man we haven't heard too much from this yes. in a while but really glad to see or maybe perhaps we've missed it if we missed anything sorry but i tell you what we picked this one up and we had to take a step back because this track back up is unbelievable let's play a clip of it right here right now This is back up. Just loving the passion right now that you're feeling for Misfit. Let me tell you something, man. When it comes to trap, Misfit knows what the heck is up. <laughs> you can't stop this guy. You just you can't. You, it was released on Jadu Dala Records, which, again, fantastic record label. I mean, guys, if there's if there are record labels that are really putting out some very interesting tunes, put Jadu Dala on there, up with the ranks of Fucks With It and Electric Hawk. You know what I mean? Like, these guys at Jadu Dala, they know exactly what they're doing, and they really signed a fantastic track from Misfit for some just dope trap music. It's mind-bending. It's got a cool vocal chop in there. I'm really all about this track. Alec, please, what are your thoughts? I'm, as you could tell, man, I prefaced it with the passion there, but I am all about this track. It really did make me take a step back and be like, wow, what am I listening to right here, right now? This is just an incredible track man like it's just there's just a lot of different layers to it and that's what i like you can tell but there's there's the symbolism and there's beauty in it too yeah just there's a lot of depth though which is very hard to do i feel like sometimes with trap but he's absolutely done a fantastic job so misfit shout out to you brother great great stuff there dude we've got so much great music oh my god so much amazing music to talk about i'm so excited about this i cannot wait without further ado man let's kick it off a lesso dub vision one last time what do you think love 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 this song dude i had a couple people text me this track when it dropped on friday they were like yo have you heard alesso's new song uh yeah dude this shit is fire it's got (laughs) old school vibe and alec can can i ask you something what did i say last year what did i say last year please (laughs) he said a lot of things last year i know i did say we did like 43 (laughs) episodes last year what did i say dude i said that the old school sound is yes. coming back. Okay, you're right. Absolutely, man. Thank you, sir. Bringing EDM back to where it was 2011, 2012, 2013, not relying on overly refined and processed sounds. There's nothing wrong with that. Good quality, clean recordings, all about it, right? But there is magic 
and and not thinking too much about oh do I tweak this here do I tweak this there no baby it's perfect <laughs> it's good to go and a lesson dub vision seriously captured what 2012 2011 2013 dance music was all about with this song one last time especially that build up that build up yes, felt dude, like it was absolutely. old school big room and I love this song Alec please your thoughts that's no I I th- wouldn't have put it any better than that man you've just got it's kind of a raw sounding to it right you can just hear the the rawness in the song just both emotionally and how it's produced as well it's it, raw in a good way i don't mean it in yeah like an unfinished way but like it's it's finished but it's as you were saying it, it's not the it, it just takes you back to how producing was done back then right and it's just well, that's what i really enjoyed about listening to this track too was just thinking about how they went into the studio and produced this track together but man that build up whew, it just takes you it's it's breathtaking it is truly some great that's just how i know we talked about last week (laughs) i'm not always the biggest fan of big room right but this is definitely a big room track that would be on my repeat i absolutely love the track you know i love to hear that i know you do man i know you do and i tell you we've talked about this person quite a bit on the podcast i mean what an amazing start to the year first of all and what an incredible 2019 this person has had of course we're talking about noisy okay noisy came in decided to do a really really banger of yeah. a remix of an amazing banger already right he yeah. remixed chris lakes and salado's free your body which standalone is a fantastic track but with the noisy remix whew, man it takes it to another level of tech totally. house bangers what do you think man I love, first of all, I love the original. I love this remix equally. Let me tell you something that Noizu did, right? Okay. I think when Chris Lake and Solardo put this song out, everybody heard it. Everyone was like, you know what? Please, nobody nobody touch this song right now. Don't even try to remix it, okay? Because it can't be done. This song, the original is just too good. So Noizu let the dust settle. <laughs> Boom. Came out with this remix and absolutely blue minds. Really gave it a nice, refreshing blue minds, house man. spin on this one, this one, man. Like this song, as I was listening to it, I can feel my body being free. This is a fantastic remix, absolutely stomping. Like I could see a time and place for the original and also this remix. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. Cultivating two different vibes. Really love this song. All about it. Alec, what do you think? Well, this takes me back to kind of, um, do you remember we featured this track by uh, Shizio? Uh, did a mm-hmm. Cry Wolf remix. They called yes, it a sir. reimagination, right? And I think that's what Noisy has done here. It's not just remix of it. It's a reimagination. But he takes kind of what's great about the core of the song and he adds in a little bit more energy, right? He takes in some of that energy potential that you can feel in the song and he puts his reimagined take of it, like if this was a little bit more of a high energy type of song. So I think you're right, man. There's a time and place for both the original and for this remix but noisy it's like if you want to get the get the energy out you want to start shuffling a little bit more i'd say that this remix is definitely the place to start so 100%. shout out to you man been crushing it recently all right retro vision feel your touch dude first of all very interesting that you put this onto the show notes i had not heard from retro vision in a while well, at least i just haven't been have you been keeping track of them i like i want to get your thoughts on this song before i answer that question Ooh, okay i yeah. liked it i did i enjoyed it Dude, you know, here's the thing. So there's like, it's almost, I'm 50-50 on it. There's parts of it where I really, I thought it was okay, but that drop is awesome, right? Yeah. So it's a fucking awesome drop, but like, I didn't really enjoy that much else of the song. Is that bad to say? No, no. I'm not into the whole, it's like a little, don't know how to feel about this. It's like, the drop is awesome. You know, as you can hear, I'm stuttering through this. I don't even know how to to say, God, I'm stuttering. But (laughs) yeah, so let me ask you, what is it about the breaks that you didn't like? Do you, do you, can you predict it? I don't know if you can. Do you know me? Is the video game sound to it? <laughs> yes. 
Do you know who wrote our intro song? Are you shitting me? Did I blow your mind? You just blew my mind. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so everyone knows that. Okay. Sorry, Retrovision, but can we can we put a drop, one of his drops instead? <laughs> and the intro is just a drop no build up just a drop i'm sorry i i I just found that so funny um the reason why like i I found that intro song was because it's a copyright free song and like i just really liked how it sounded and like i just i don't know i like the build up and i like the way that it dropped and it just felt like a really fitting way to kind of enter the podcast alec disagrees with me uh he's not the biggest (laughs) fan of our intro song so we are working on getting that updated but um i just thought it'd be really funny thoughts on this let's do a poll we're gonna do a poll man we're gonna do something we'll put it up on instagram you can find us at btb.pod we'll put up a poll on our story i want to see what you think of our um (laughs) intro song anyhow continue sorry Sorry. so my my thoughts on retrovision song feel your touch i will agree with you alec i'm 50 50 on this one as well because the drop is really dope it's but amazing like the, the breaks are just kind of weird fitting with with the I drop agree. like it, it didn't really feel like a cohesive project from retrovision i've listened to a lot of his songs just you know as i kind of we started doing this podcast and he's a pretty talented producer i do like the video game sound that he cultivates but i just don't feel like this song really fit together properly I would agree with that. And that's why yeah. I said before, right, I preface this with just the fact that there's a, it's almost 50-50 for me. There's 50% of the song I like, 50% of the song I'm like, eh, don't know if it really fits. But there you go. Totally. I mean, it happens, but we'll get everyone's thoughts on Instagram about the intro song as well as the <laughs> song as well. All right. Yeah. AC Slater and Frisco. All right. Come through. Samir. Would you come through to the song? Would you think? Alec, I, I'm definitely coming through. I'm hopping oh, yeah. in my car right now. I'm coming through. Waze is saying about 32 hours driving to San Francisco. It's about 55. It's, first thank of you. All. Yes, you've done the trip. <laughs> I got to say, I thought, you know, I had to give this song a couple of listens to be completely honest. Yes, to like really agreed. understand my thoughts on it because mm-hmm. Frisco, like his his rapping had to grow on me a little bit. I really yeah, like AC Slater's production. Frisco. I was okay on, but I feel like as I was listening to this song more and more, I started to appreciate what was going on in this track. So I, I, I'm a fan. I'm not the biggest fan, but I'm a fan. I'll, I'll listen to it again. And just for some context here, if, you, if people don't know who AC Slater is, AC Slater is head of the Night Bass label. They do a lot of um, baseline type of music. They've got a very, you know, it, it's it's house music, right? But they they add into the the baseline elements into there as well. Just for some context for some people. But this is, yeah, I agree with you, man. Uh, rapping, I had to, it, I could be hit or miss with rap on house tracks. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, right? I feel like there's a time and a place for them, and they can work really well if they're done well. But they have to really match the the vibe of the song right as well as just how the uh producer decides to edit the vocals right how does it sound versus you know because uh, sometimes it could be a little bit mismatched and i feel like from the editing standpoint this kind of fitted it in but i just didn't feel like the tone entirely suited the song. do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. here yeah like almost yeah. like <laughs> it's the sound of i should say not even the tone it's more just the sound of the voice right i just yeah. feel like it was a little bit mismatched but it grew on me a little bit but when you pay attention to the beats it really takes it home for you and does it for yeah, you. It's, it's a dang. great song. It's just a really yeah. awesome beats uh, behind the track there. But without further ado, we're going to close off this section. This is so much music we've gone through. It was a really good week for it. But this is another very interesting person you put on here, man. Wasted Penguin. First of all, what a, what a name. I, I love, love that D- name. I, love I, th- I think D- it's actually name. really funny. That's a fantastic name. Yes. Perspective. What do you think? Yeah. So Alec... Obviously, you've already listened to the track, so you already know what kind of music they dabble in. It's hard style. Uh, you know, what I'm trying to accomplish here in, in throwing songs like this on is that we talk about more genres than like what we normally talk about, right? Agreed. Like different interesting Absolutely. genres. So, you know, Alec and I, we're not the biggest hard style people. It's a very, very popular sound, especially in Europe. 
but you got you to give credit to where credit is due. I mean, Wasted Penguins is one of the biggest names in the scene, right? They've been doing it for, for quite a while now. And I got to say, Perspective, again, this is just another one of those songs I had to listen to a couple of times to really appreciate it. And I feel like I have to do this with a lot of hard style. I do always want to pay homage to Hardstyle because it's so influential in the scene and it's done a lot for EDM and uh, in, in helping other genres develop. So again, this is another one of those songs I had to listen to a couple more times to feel to appreciate it. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I, I have the same perspective as you. Uh, no pun intended there. On, um, <laughs> good one. Yeah, good one. Nice one, brother. Nice one, brother. <laughs> Yeah, hard style is just, it's something that I'm trying to dabble in a little bit more. So I'm glad that we're talking about it more in the podcast. But I would agree with you. This is a song that I would, if I had to say there's songs in hard style, which I can get down to, right? I'd say this is probably one of them. And just Wasted Penguins in general. <laughs> I love saying that name. Sorry. You love just, the name. You love I love it. the name. You know, it's funny. Okay, quick side note here. But I feel like you could tell if it's a hard style DJ by the name. Oh, um, oh my god, absolutely. You can just, there's always, have you noticed, instead of S's, they always put Z, uh, Z's on there. Yeah, I wonder what that does for SEO, though. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, we've been... You gotta oh, be talking man. about SEO. I know, Sorry, go ahead. talk about SEO. No, I mean, I think it's just a great, I think it's a great hardstyle track, and if you're not too into hardstyle and you're looking to dabble it, I think look no further than Wasted Penguins, particularly the song perspective. So, Love it. shout out, thank you for that. And on the note of SEO, guys and girls, we finally put up a website. I know we've talked about it kind of for a long time but we finally got it up i just want to say first of all man big shout out to nikita for yes putting it she's done just amazing amazing work on it and she, i know she worked incredibly hard over it you know we've had some late night calls i was grumpy you know sometimes talking <laughs> about it right like i get i get grumpy when i'm not fed and i don't sleep enough all right yeah. so that, that's what happens and i tell you nikita honestly from the bottom of my heart seriously thank you so much for putting yeah. this together it's just it's a big for our brand and i know that all of our audience too will really really appreciate it but kids come on it's a little bit tough when you're trying to listen to it if you have fucking spotify you can't go down and scroll down and see all the show notes right but now having a place to centralize all the show notes it's amazing so nikita first of all thank you for that Samir, did you want to say something too no, I just just want to say, you know what? Thank you guys so much for being patient with us as yep. well. Big shout out to Nikita. She really, really killed it, handled this project very well. And just thank you guys so much for for sticking with us as we were trying to get this website up as well. Like we we trust me, we recognize that this was absolutely necessary to make sure that every EDM champion has a homogenous listening experience, no matter which platform you're listening on. So thank you guys so much for for your reception and your feedback. If you guys have any other feedback about the site, things you'd like to see improved, please let us know. We'd greatly appreciate that we're always trying to make this show better we're always trying to make the beyond the beats experience better but you know what guys welcome to level two we're here absolutely baby. we're here and you know we've kind of teased it out but as you imagine it's beyond the beats.co so it's www.beyondthebeats.co not.com we're still working on that part of it that's a little bit there. that'll be level three level four maybe <laughs> um, but we're at level two right now so definitely if you want to go check out we've got all of the show notes up there we've worked very hard on putting that up we've got our playlist you can learn about the artists that we spotlight we have an artist spotlight section and then if you want to reach out to us we've got a little form that you can figure out there too but if you want to get in touch with us a different way you can follow us on instagram it's at btb.pod or twitter pod btb we're on facebook as well and you can always if you really want to send us an email it's at connect at beyondthebeats.co dude are you ready for this next section i'm i'm so ready to be talking about these news and culture topics because first of all you know, it's just crazy. Like, I feel like every single time we've had a milestone episode, we've always had really big topics to talk Absolutely. about. Absolutely. 
Yeah. So it's just very interesting how uh, uh, you know recent events have kind of worked out this way. Very interesting point because we genuinely didn't really plan it to be like sync up with the yeah. milestone. It just happened naturally, actually. And it's craziness. Uh, yeah, it's it is universe. absolute craziness. But I think there is no better way to start off the news and culture section for episode fifty, a real milestone, than with a milestone subject. Okay. We're going to be talking about house music. We're going to be talking about how house music came to be the crazy driving force in all of dance music that it is today. And we're going to talk about its origin story. Welcome to EDM 101. This is a free course. You don't have to pay anything, but if you want to, you can. I'll put my There's a up. quiz at the end. It's a quiz. a quiz. Okay. So I'm going to quiz up everyone, right? You've got, you've got a weekend to submit your papers. Okay. I want to hear a compare and contrast essay. Five pages, five paragraphs each. MLA citations only. MLA. Yeah, we got that we've... APA shit. <laughs> MLA. Get out of here. No Chicago style. Chicago, Chicago style. No. Chicago Tribune. No, no, there no. we go. Absolutely. Oh, man. Well, it's funny that you bring up Chicago because Chicago is going to play a very central point in this. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, sit down, get your notepads out because I'm going to take you. I'm going to walk you through on a journey through house music this is edm 101 beyond the beats history of house okay taking you back to the 70s right you've got you got your boom box outside right you got your short shorts on okay if you're a pimp you're strolling with those uh you know big shoes right those where is this boots, going you know you got the little fish bowls in there you know have you seen those by the way man people in the 70s dress crazily okay yeah they did so you know you have to set the context right because people were just very kind of flashy right and quite flamboyant it was just the time in the 70s where just people were really letting loose man you've got the hippies in there you know it's just a real place of just incredible creativity right and flamboyance and, and it really in the a place in the world's history, not just in the US, but across the globe, where we kind of came out of this state where everything was quite muted, you know, music was a little bit more muted, uh, you know, the 60s music, I love it, trust me, and 50s even too, I love all that, all the older stuff, but you really start seeing a, a switch in kind of the creativity and just the freedom that's communicated through music, and what was very central in that time was disco. Okay, so that's why I was talking about the really crazy shoes and the flamboyant clothes and stuff. Because disco, I mean, when everyone thinks of disco, people think of that, right? That's kind of what you associate disco with, is with that type of attire and that type of hippie free spirit mentality, okay? So in the 70s, especially in the US and places like New York and Chicago, disco was really starting to take off, okay? Now, it was part of the African-American and queer community. That was really where disco was based, and that's where it started off as, and it really was dominated by. So until Saturday Night Fever came about in the late 70s, where John Travolta showed everyone oh, how God. to dance like that, right? Exactly. Classic soundtrack. Oh, absolutely. Man. Absolutely, Bee Gees. man. Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. I love it, man, because you know exactly where I'm going with this. It's got that real vibe to it, man. It's got that funk. It's got that soul. And so disco really took... It's basically danceable R&B, right? That's essentially what disco was. And when I say R&B, the old school R&B, not R&B that you, but that you hear now. So it's not like danceable Khalid or anything, okay? Like we're talking about more funky style stuff. So it, it, it took on this huge part of just the societal will to overcome oppression. It became, uh, it was much more of an expression of the 
the type of societal issues that were going on across the globe in all societies. It was people feeling oppressed, and this was a way to release it. And the flamboyant nature of disco was really just encapsulating that type of literally fever where people just felt like they were being pent up, that they were being boxed, they were being categorized. And so disco was just kind of a rebellion against that. It was just ridiculous. It was wacky, but that was the point of it. And that's why people fell in love with it. So towards the end of the 70s, it started getting pretty big, especially after Saturday Night Fever with John Travolta, as we talked about. After that point, though, there was a real cultural backlash against it right? You had a lot of people in the rock and roll industry saying that this isn't music. This isn't, this isn't great. We're going to riot against it. And it's quite literally, you can go back and see videos of people burning disco records, people, you know, burning all types of things that relate to disco clothes, you know, but the records were really what they were going after. And there's just, it's, it's really interesting looking back at this time period, because you can see that really more so than it is against the music. It's a cultural backlash because remember disco was really associated with the the queer and African-American communities and not necessarily the, the wealthiest parts either, right? So there's a socioeconomic factor in that. And so when historians look back on this time, particularly for, for discos and for music, this backlash you can see, there's some type of, unfortunately, some racist and bigoted sentiment that came with the backlash against it. So the reason why I'm delving into disco, into this depth, is because to understand house music, you have to understand disco, Right. Disco is this very freeing, funky, I don't care what people think of me type of music. And that is exactly how house music grew. A lot of people say it grew in the ashes of disco. So when these riots started happening, disco had to go a little bit more underground again. It wasn't being played on the radios. I mean, you've got record labels drying up, running out of cash. It's kind of it's kind of scary to be in dance music. You can go and I'll put up some links to some very interesting documentaries, but people were talking about it. It's like quite scary time to be in the nightclub and dance music industry just because this backlash happened so quickly and it just really took over and forced dance music and disco in particular to go back underground. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? That's pretty interesting. I had no idea. So this is where house music comes from though. Once it goes back underground again, there's a couple people who decide that there's something more that can be done with disco. That disco's not out for the count yet, right? There's still a market out there for it. Two people, you've got to remember these names. Larry Levon and Frankie Knuckles. Al, could you, could you spell that, please? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to cut I also got to use a restroom, so I'll, I'll sign out. No, no, no. Where's your hall pass, sir? You can't just <laughs> check out like that. Oh, my God. Anyhow, okay, remember the two names, Larry Levon and Frankie Knuckles. These guys, both African-American males and gay, they are the reason why house music came to be the global phenomenon it is today. What they did was they said, okay, disco's underground. That's fine. We're going to leverage that. We're going to utilize it. It's good that it's underground. It can keep its real soul. It can keep its real purpose. So they created, they split ways when they were in Brooklyn. Larry Levon stayed in New York City and Frankie Knuckles went out to Chicago, right? But they started two separate clubs. One Paradise Garage is Larry Levon's in New York City. And then the warehouse led by Frankie Knuckles is over in Chicago. Okay, so mm. what they focused on doing here was keeping the soul of disco music alive. So these are the craziest parties you can imagine. I mean, all accounts of it. I mean, we're just talking like, if you pictured Let and Loose, like this is just the epitome of it. Apparently, these parties were life-changing, okay? So the reason why is because 
it kept that underground feel which is very simple like you know i mean that some lights and things like that but they're huge open spaces that they both managed to secure and literally you can go see paradise garage it's actually still a garage it's still standing there right but mm-hmm. yeah it's it's really interesting okay when they decided to keep disco music and the soul going they wanted to add some more different kind of like some a, a little bit more heat into it for lack of a better term so they started as technology started developing as they could start doing with new uh synthesizers new drum pads and things like that they went in and started adding some real pounding bass to it right to really give it a kick so disco went from being in the hands of these two guys something where it's like the older tracks it's a little bit just more focused on the vocals and the souls and they would chop up different vocals from all these different really famous disco songs and put it on top of a new pounding bass right and that is the basis of where house music came from is the fact that it grew out of disco but kept its soul from the vocals but added a little bit more pounding bass in it now the name house music doesn't wasn't something that's was thought of originally it wasn't like these two sat down and like okay this is going to be called house music no it was a much more natural evolution than that so Switching over to Chicago, Frankie Knuckles, right? People absolutely love what he's doing with disco. They love the new pounding bass in there. It just sounds amazing, right? And just chop of all these vocals, it's got the emotional appeal of disco, but now with this this new thing that makes you want to shuffle, makes you want to dance, is like just pounding bass. And you could apparently you could just hear it when you're on the streets further down. You could just hear it, right? But then when you're in there, you've got the street serenity of just the beautiful vocals from all these amazing disco vocalists people were like i need those tracks i want to know what these tracks are where i can find them so there's this very famous in chicago it's unfortunately no longer there but it's called import records okay imports records is where people used to go to buy all these type of more underground type of tracks and and records and so it's just a very old school very simple record shop but people would go in there and they're constantly asking for frankie knuckles tracks and what he's doing there and so the people got so kind of like they were like okay people keep coming in asking me about where the music from the warehouse is being played so what we're going to start doing is just having a separate little section for it it's just going to have all the warehouse label tracks right they just put the warehouse on it eventually through time as people kept in assisting that they need more of these tracks they're like okay this is becoming its own thing and it just naturally evolved into itself from the warehouse music to house music and that is essentially where house music got its name from is from this little import records record shop in the middle of chicago not too far away from this african-american queer nightclub that's putting out these bangers these disco heaters that is how house music became so it wasn't even necessarily the house music that we know now but it was essentially disco just with some added uh, elements to it and this house music attracted people not just from the US, but we're talking about Europe too. You can go back and you can trace the steps of Paul Oakenfeld, right? He came over from the UK, said he just heard about all this stuff going on in New York and in Chicago. And he's like, we just need to hear some of this. But it was quite underground. He was like, I have to go there and see it myself. So he flew, he went to New York, went to Paradise Garage. And he was like, I've never seen anything like this in my life. Like, this is insane. It's not just the music. It's the vibe. It's everything. And he fell absolutely in love with this type of music. So he took it back to the UK. And that is how house music starts 
springing out in different areas of Europe. And before you know it, you go to Ibiza and everybody's playing house music. And they're all adding in their own little elements and interesting takes on it. So the U.S. was very, you know, you got kind of the, uh, there's still the disco, the real soul type of feel to it. But you go over to the U.K. and you start seeing cross influences of techno coming in there. So it becomes even a little bit more darker, right? But it's still this very unique sound that in dance music people never really heard before. And that's what I think is hard to imagine right now. Because when everyone talks about electronic music, they're like, oh yeah, just big bass and things. You've got to remember, music didn't really have that type of kick to it back then. So this is just really bloody new. And this is very innovative. So when people, so when all DJs start hearing it, they're like, oh my God, this thing is amazing. And just the, the incorporation of that new technology that would allow for that bass has been credited to help spur the development of every type of other EDM subgenre you can think of. And it all ties back to the fact that people went and listened to house music from this tiny little place, right? Imports records are responsible for, or credited to at least, for really the mass distribution of the name house music. And it started off in America, in Chicago, and in New York as part of a revolution against oppressed minorities, right? And that same sentiment traveled throughout the globe. So you saw it in the UK with rebellions against thatcherism and people feeling like they just have you know that they're really they, they felt they had no representation in the system in which they lived in and house music became a symbol of expression and rebellion against that it took the real soul and vocal part of what made disco really really amazing and just added in a new musical element that would allow people to experiment and play around with the structure of the songs in an even more free way so house music ladies and gentlemen is essentially even more based up disco and that is my very brief overview of a very complicated story of house music dude wow (laughs) yeah i'm speechless like alec first of all just want to say that was so well done like that like really really great job i'm so happy that like you started us off with this new um this new edm 101 topics that we're doing you know once or twice every month like that was really really well done i've learned so much from that one thing i think a common misconception about house music is that people think that it started in europe I feel like a lot yes, of people assume that, that that's where it started. That is the number one thing, man. It is, it's, and yeah. you know what? I'm not going to lie. I was amongst those people too. I didn't yeah, realize. Same here. Same here. I had no idea. The, and it's just, it's amazing, man. It's such an inspirational story behind it because it's just, it's insane to just see that these people were just regular everyday people, right? Like, I mean, and they just became larger than life icons. House music isn't about just the the beats right and and this is probably the the biggest lesson that i took from it if you want to get to the soul of electronic music you look no further than the history of house because here's what house is really about it is about taking people of all ethnicities all colors all sexual orientations whatever you want to throw in there what makes people different whatever type of characteristic it's about uniting everyone behind one sound and that's the vibe that i was talking about which made everybody a house music lover is the fact that they went in and remember this is a quite an oppressed time right and you've got african-american gay men making out dancing on top of each other you got straight people in there being like oh okay like this is what it is it's responsible for allowing people just to be more accepting of others right and it started in the clubs and it really manifested itself into a larger music culture right and i think 
house music is really probably the driving responsible force for the EDM scene and culture that we all love. This idea of freedom, of acceptance, no matter what you are, where you're from, what you look like. House music is responsible for that. And really disco is responsible for that. So when you wonder why people dress all wacky, why they have this this, this kind of energy which is just very free, it's because of disco. It's all disco music, baby. That's what it's from. Wow. Like, and that is, that really set me back. When I realized that, I was like, holy shit. Like, I never knew how influential house music was. It's, it's quite literally some irresponsible for the the vibe that we all love in the EDM scene. It, it, the, it is the reason why. And it was for so much more than just the music. That's what people don't understand. I'll reemphasize it one last time. It's not about the beats. It really is much more than that. This was a cultural phenomenon on another level. And I don't think ever since rock and roll, there probably hasn't been a type of music so ingrained in culture that was able to spread across the world so rapidly and take such a foothold in all of the scene that's responsible for all these other branches off of different types of music. It's it's incredible. Well done. I mean, you know, hearing like how house music just brought people together from all different walks of life it kind of led to this mantra that a lot of people preach in the scene, plur, peace, love, unity, Absolutely. and respect, right? I mean, look, you're, if you're entering one of these spaces, one of these clubs that really cultivated house music today, you got to be peaceful. Like, you can't be in there causing a ruckus for other groups of people that, that you may not fully support. So that's number one, love. I mean, if you're in there, we all got to love one another and we all got to love the music that we're in there for. Unity. Like you just said, bringing people together in one spot from all walks of life and above all, respect, respect for one another. And it's just, it's blowing my mind Like as I'm making these connections right now, hearing you talk, like really, you are absolutely right. The culture that we know and love today in EDM stems from house music, started with those uh, with the two icons that you just mentioned, man, and started here in New York and Chicago and made its way over to Europe. Like I said, the biggest misconception I feel like that's associated with house music is that it started in Europe when it started right here in the good old US of A, baby. <laughs> it did, I, man. I, I love it, man. It did. It's like, and it started off in the... In the queer community, in the African-American community. It's amazing. It's, it's just it's so insane. amazing. Like, people don't realize that, right? And I think that's just, it just goes to show you whatever preconceptions you have about music, you just got to throw to the side. Yeah. It yeah. really, really does. I think that's just such a telling thing is the fact that people don't know really where it started. I think part and parcel of its amazing explosive rise in the world, but also the fact that it's it's literally encapsulating the very message that it's telling, which is that you've got to throw all your pre- preconceived notions of of what, you know, your initial prejudgments of things. You've got to put that aside to understand the core of it. Absolutely. That's, that's house music. You can't come in thinking it's some Aryan, you know, dominated yeah. Yeah. thing, right? Because that's not the core. <laughs> it's, it's not. Like, that's not where it came from. I know. The, you know, right. it's not. It's just unbelievable, man. So wow. I appreciate you giving me the time to ramble about no, thank it because you. it's really awesome. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. That was fantastic. And EDM Champions, really hope you guys enjoyed that that history of house music right here on Beyond the Beats. I mean, seriously, this podcast is about EDM news and culture, and we truly are diving into the culture aspect of it. Guys, if there are any genres that you want us to explore further, Please feel free to reach out to us. I mean, Alec already plugged our socials a little bit earlier on the episode, but I'll say it again. B2B.pod is the Instagram. At PodBTB is the Twitter. We're also on Facebook. We have a beautiful website with a contact us form, beyondthebeats.co. 
seriously, like we want your feedback. What should we be exploring next? We have some ideas, but we want to hear from you guys as well. Absolutely, man. No, I'm glad I, I got to talk about it. And I'll also post great. up some more links and stuff. If people want to read up on it. There's a lot more to it than that. That was a very like 5,000 foot level overview of something. There's a lot of other contributors in there. Definitely we'll be giving them a shout out over the next uh, weeks as well, just because there's so many different people. And, you know, as we tie in to talk about house music, I'll try to, you know, shout out some really influential people in different parts of the house music scene. But there's just so many people involved and just your takeaway from it should be that it's a movement and it's a, yeah. and it's a feeling. That's the takeaway. Love it. All right, man. Speaking of movements, dude, when we got to chat and sit down with Sakura, that was really dude. amazing. He's starting a movement of his own. Rather, I shouldn't say, let me rephrase that. Not of his own. It's another kind of grassroots movement of bass music over in the UK right it's the uk is definitely the founding father or country i should say of dubstep right but modern form dubstep and bass music has not really taken that much of a foothold over in the uk however our boy sakura over there people like javek shout out to those two guys they with relentless events are taking bass music in the uk to another level and we were very fortunate enough to sit down and have a quick chat with him here it was amazing dude Without further ado, let's play the snippet of our chat with Sakura. All right, EDM champions, we are super excited to bring you guys one of our special guests for this episode. Check it out. We have Chris, otherwise known as Sakura, bringing the bass music to London. We absolutely love it. All the headbangers come out here, rejoice. Sakura is making big moves out there on the other side of the pond and we are very excited to be talking to him he's bringing some massive names and you know what let's toss it over to him man chris sakura how you doing man what's going on oh very well my friend how are you i'm doing well alec how you doing over there man you doing well too oh i'm doing amazing chris uh, sakura this is just a fantastic schedule for us we've got a couple episodes this weekend but this is actually kicking us off for the weekend man so thank you so much for joining us and i don't think i could imagine of a better way to kick off my weekend and talking about bass music coming to the UK. Oh, perfect. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> it has been, man. It has been. So, I mean, just tell us a little bit about how, you know, what, what started, the, what was your vision? How did you get going on this? And, you know, where did you see a gap in the, in the music market over there in the UK? Because, I mean, we, we all know that dubstep was invented there. So, like, just tell us about how you got going with this and, you know, what the general reception has been so far. The whole idea of relentless events kind of came to me probably about a year and a half ago. I mean, I was just another typical bass fan. I lived in London, so I was able to get out to a lot of bass events. Um, and unfortunately, on the kind of mainstream club nights and, you know, popularized events, a lot of bass music just wasn't really existent. So you'd have to look a lot at the kind of small gigs, um, you know, local gigs that would be like 100 caps, something like that. And you'd go to these gigs. And they would just, I don't know, if you, if you want bass music, you need bass. <laughs> and a lot right. of the that you go to, unfortunately, they just weren't kitted out properly. They weren't, didn't have the proper instruments in there, didn't have the proper um, equipment. And a lot of the time, these kind of events, even though it was bass music, supposed to be energetic, you'd have a lot of people standing upstairs and standing outside because it didn't have all the essence that a bass music show kind of needed to really engage the crowd. So I think that that whole idea started from there because I was just, I could see that people wanted to go to these events, but unfortunately it just didn't seem like many people were doing it right. Um, not to be, 
offensive to anyone. Nah, man. No, you're telling it like it is. But unfortunately, yeah, it was that kind of thing. Sorry, yeah. So in, in terms of the acts that would come to the UK as well, um, a lot of the acts were repeated. You know, we'd see a lot of the same acts, UK-based artists. Um, and over time, even though these artists out in America would sell out, you know, 10, 15,000 person venues here, they'd struggle to do a 200. And mm. it's just, we're not seeing that differentiation in artists. So my idea was to bring a lot of these artists, you know, that in America and elsewhere in the world, these would just be popular mainstream artists for them. But for here, we're really, really dying to see a lot of them. And so that's what we need to bring. So let me ask you, what, like, how did you officially decide to just take the plunge, start up relentless events? Like what, what made you just want to dive into it, man? Because what, was this kind of uncharted territory for you? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'd been to the events. I could see what it was missing, but everything was kind of just based off that. I wasn't um, a promoter before or anything like that. Um, but it all came about when Together did the 20 years at Printworks Festival back in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that featured like Alice in Wonderland, Nightmare, Flux Pavilion, Virtual nice. Rock, um, a lot of big names. And we actually got an opportunity to feature in the small room. Now, at the time, I was involved with an events company called Wheelups, um, who'd done a few gigs in the UK. Um, but I basically came in and said, look, I think that with an opportunity as big as this, we should go for a rebrand. But I had this whole relentless thing up in the works anyway. My partner at the time liked it. And we went forward with Lock and Load to do this event. Um, the partner, unfortunately, then dropped out of the whole project hmm. uh, me with it and I just went you know what if I'm coming in brand new coming in hot let's go all out and for that reason I hired a trip and virus syndicate which for the little room wasn't really supposed to be the plan no one was expecting big artists in there but we needed to make a statement and so I we just did and then we followed it up by um, hiring Axel Boy for ministry and then it's just kind of dominoed since there Jeez, I, I cannot. I just can't believe like if this is your first event and you're just absolutely <laughs> plunging into it, man. That is so so incredibly impressive. Let me ask you, what has been the hardest part about throwing your own events and promoting your own events? What is the one thing that you really had to put a lot of energy into overcoming? I think, um, I think the financial side of it more than anything. Yeah. If I'm being totally honest, um, I mean, it, it was relatively easy once you had a kind of head how to do it. It was great to engage with artists and their agents, people like Virus Syndicate, um, for example. They really made our event brilliant because they were so awesome from beginning to end. That was from the first point of contact to all the promotion that they put in, all the effort that they put in and how much they wanted to give the UK crown. So I must admit, as far as like organizing wise agents and artists have been absolutely wonderful to work with and I, I like the community that we've got for that um but obviously because printworks was kind of like an all-out um event and people weren't really expecting it we weren't working off commission or anything like that that was just a whole investment um with no profit essentially it was just literally about making a statement it was a good marketing stunt um, but it helped us really get our foot in the door. And from there, we've progressed to grow. Yeah, it's just getting your brand out there, man. I mean, you know, I think that's one of the things that people always underestimate. And I'm glad that you're, you know, you, you put and nodded off to it, you know, that you've got if financial things are just such a big issue when trying to start up something like what you're doing. 
right? Even if you have the relationships, I mean, it's, it's hard. There's such close margins. And I think we've had a couple of people on the show to talk about this and, and they all attest to the fact that, you know, that's probably one of the hardest things to get over at first is just, you know, how tough it is financially. But I think once you get going on it, right? Like, as you said, it's a good marketing stuff. Once you get the name out there, do a bit of branding. I think, you know, things are going to start probably getting easier for you. And when you've got some class, some awesome artists like Javex throwing it down for you. I mean, it's only a matter of time. Um, so one of the things I was definitely wondering about, I wanted to ask you, is how have you seen the transition in bass music from kind of like, you know, the, the old school, old time guys like Mala, you know, deep medi music label and all that. And so Benga, all these people, how, do you think maybe that lull in the bass music scene was due to that kind of transition period from that to bro step with Skrillex and now onto kind of, you know, well, bro step for lack of a better term, but you know, you, you know what I'm saying here? I don't mean it in a, you know, derogative way. No, obviously there was always that sound within the UK. Um, but it just progressed, but it got to a point when the kind of bro step and Skrillex era came along, um, that it just kind of faded away from the UK for some reason. Um, people didn't kind mm. of click on it. Um, but obviously there were still the massive powers within the UK, mainly being never say die. Um, right. So obviously never say die continued to progress and they started implementing a lot of rhythm sounds, um, bro step sounds. And then the prep, and this Bridden Bridge, which has come along now, which is kind of really the popular one. Um, Bridden? Is that what's called? Yes, Bridden. Not <laughs> of- no, yes. I haven't. Uh, Tell us about this. Put together, yeah. Um, kind of showcased by people like Woolly, um, mainly ah. a lot of that kind of thing. So the music has progressed, but there is definitely within the UK that old sound that still exists here. And there are plenty of events for it. Um, but in terms of a, a mainstream scale in the UK, the people that are going to come to these events, we really need like you kind of zomboys, you trampers, mm. you Bible artists, you never say die artists. They're the ones that a lot of people in the UK are itching to see. And a lot of them are UK based. They just never get the chance to shell down in the UK. That's so funny. Like I just would, it's just crazy to think about that, right? Like, cause you've got the talent there. It's just a matter oh, yeah. of booking them. And- <laughs> Yeah, in abundance, we've got the talent in the UK. But I think, as I said, with that whole transitional period when it kind of sloped down in the UK, it was kind of a fearful place um, Mm. for artists to play. Um, I think Kill the Noise actually made a comment once how, you know, back in like 2011, he played to a 300 person crowd. And then the year after, he came back to the UK and he was playing to 50 people in a pub. Mm. So you have literally seen that transition happen. Um, Although I will say I would love to see Kill the Noise at a pub. Yeah, that would be sweet. <laughs> yeah, sipping on beer whilst watching. Right? <laughs> nice pint in hand, head banging with the other. You know, it's great. Stables <laughs> yeah. flying. Right. <laughs> totally. I mean, and, and so actually that's probably a, a good segue uh, onto this. Do you feel like in certain parts of the UK that, you know, bass music is more popular? Is this kind of a London-centric thing or do, can you see it you know, in other cities and other areas of the country? I'd love to say so, but unfortunately we just haven't seen that. Um, So yeah, I I think London very much is the hub for it at the moment. Even in London, like it's still growing. So it hasn't really been able to spread outside of London, but I do know that a lot of bass artists, it just doesn't happen up in the north side of the country. Um, Very much obsessed with house and techno. 
up in the north mm. side of the country, if you start playing half beat or 150 BPM stuff up there, it tends to just absolutely hmm. blow the crowd out. <laughs> like, it just doesn't work. Well, you know, here's to hoping that it expands and uh, moves further up in the UK. Let me ask you, man. I mean, we know the events that you have coming up. You know, we, we follow you on Instagram. But tell us about some of the exciting events that you have coming up and any of the big plans that you have for the London bass scene this year. We want to showcase all varieties of bass um, with Relentless Events. You know, we've obviously, we played at Printworks and we featured A-Trip, who is very much diverse across bass music, bass house predominantly, as opposed to dubstep. Then we have Javax, who obviously trap. Um, he plays a lot of our events and he always, always shells down well. Um, he's been a great supporter ever, ever since day one. Um, but yeah, a whole variety is what we want to do. At the moment, we've done bass house gigs and we've done dubstep gigs, primarily focusing on dubstep. But we do want to bring all kind of essences here. We want it to stop being a place where you're kind of scared to play. We right. want to enjoy coming to the UK and feel confident coming to the UK. And that can be from trap to D&D to bass house, all varieties um, but currently at the moment, we are focusing on the dubstep scene. Any, uh, any big name artists? Um, so currently, we have Moody Good. Oh, um, yeah. be a fantastic gig for us, to be honest. UK-based artist, but again, hasn't played here in about nine years. Oh, my God. I didn't realize he's UK-based. This is our problem, you see? <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it totally now. Because I could just see all, you know, all American listeners being like, oh, shit, like, wow. I didn't know they're based in the UK. We see movie good over in America going back-to-back with Space Laces at a festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, we're testing out the water. This event is only 250 capacity. Small, intimate gigs for such massive, massive artists. And that's mm. the way it's got to start at the beginning. But obviously the idea will be to progress and to progress. And there's more people come and actually see bass music done the way bass music should be. Hopefully it'll spark up a, a good energy throughout the bass scene in the UK. Right on, man. Right on. And let me ask you, man, you know, you've, you've already had great experience in throwing your own events and starting your own promotion company. What sort of advice would you give to others who are interested in trying their hand in, in throwing events in their local cities? Do it properly um, is literally all I can say. If you have a good passion about it, if you have a good heart about it and you want to see it do well, then really you should be able to see it through. And that goes from the base of taking care of what venue you book, whether it's going to be suitable, whether it sounds right, whether you've got room for um, special effects, etc., mm-hmm. and then all into your promotion take care in your promotion make sure that you make it vibrant and colorful make sure that people want to engage with it we always promote ours by different sized um posters as well as a promotional video you know as long as you put that kind of effort in there then people will take notice but if you've just got a black poster with five names on most people are going to look right past it so yeah Mm -hmm. i think just effort and time and actual care into it and you should do well that's that's a great point you know about the posters and things i mean people it, marketing is such a integral piece of this part right and so when when you're doing your marketing is it mostly what type of marketing are you doing are you doing anything like digital are you doing any advertising you know is it more word of mouth based than just in person it, again it's literally all of it so we i will stand outside and Love it. 
flyers. I will do digital marketing. That's why Facebook reach and Instagram reach, as well as featuring on websites such as Songkick, making sure on Spotify that they're labeled. So if you go on a movie good Spotify page, um, his event does come up in the UK, which is oh, quite nice. strange in the UK <laughs> to see someone do that. Mm. Um, that kind of, yeah, word of mouth at literally every gig as well. Every gig, you need to approach people, be friendly to people, make, get them interested, get them talking. If they're right. at a dubstep gig, they're going to want to see a dubstep show. We always have a link ready on our phone straight for an email. No, yeah. that's, that's, that's great because, you know, I think there's a lot of parallels between how you guys can get your name out there and how artists can get their name out there, right? And, you, and you, there's definitely kind of a, a, a synergy going on there right like you're promoting yourselves but you're also promoting the artists and stuff and so you mentioned that you've got a great relationship with artists I mean how does the the marketing side of things work with the artists too I mean do you is that kind of like a value add-on that you do that you help them get the name out there or is there some mutual things like what's what's that type of relationship like from the the marketing front you know but so I guess let's start with the headliners that might be easy like what's that relationship like well, primarily you're speaking with the agents, but it, again, it kind of depends on the artist. A lot of the artists want to be a lot more engaging. Some of them don't particularly want to. Um, but normally your relationship comes with the agent first. So they're, normally they'll have one for America and they'll have one um, for Europe. Um, but again, interestingly, most of the agents for the European side are all in London. You don't get many bookings in London. Um, but yeah, so you would basically go to and forth from them and just tell them, look, can you please promote this? But the way the promotion would work, work in the beginning is I would create all that. We try and give as least possible work. We just ask for their marketing assets and then we create our own posters. I have a phenomenal team behind me who all work very, very hard and we pump out all this promotion, videos, posters. We send it straight to them. They say, yes, we want to use it. And then it's just a case of us constantly pushing whilst trying to badger them to push it as well. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, tell, tell us about how you got your team behind you. I mean, was this kind of just from a day one, people like, right, we're, we're in this with you, you know, or is it kind of like, how, how did that kind of start? You know, what was, was a startup culture associated with it? Were people just on board or do you have to kind of pay people to get involved? No, I, I kept my um, I kept my team very very small, but they're just very very efficient. <laughs> um, I've got a team of four, actually, myself included. But the kind of talent scale. Oh man, lean team, all right over here, love absolutely, it. Absolutely, but uh, professional varieties that they expertise are just brilliant. I can literally get anything done off them. They do all my promotion. They do all my sound tracking. They do all my online stuff. Um, they help me with the gigs. They're my technicians. They're my engineers. They're all of it. So a very, very, very talented team. But again, they can't, they very much believed in the brand and they very much wanted to see bass music come back to the UK. And I think they do genuinely believe in the brand as well, what we've done so far. And for that reason, that's why they want to be a part of it. Um, and again, this is why it's such a tight knit circle. Um, because as we progress, we'll all progress. And we know that because we're going to keep it quite a tight knit circle. Nice. That, that is wonderful, man. I, I, it's like, it just goes to show you that you really don't succeed without people behind you, backing you, working together and being, and being efficient together and just kind of rising together. Like, you know, you see that 
with promoters like yourself, you see that with artists, like if everybody supports each other, we're all going to make it. And I just, I think that's just a common motif that we've heard from a lot of the different artists that we've talked to from a lot of the different industry professionals as well. Sakura, I, I got to ask you, man, if, if our listeners, if our EDM champions wanted to connect with you, what's the best way that they can get in touch and check out some of your events? Where do they hear about this stuff? Oh, so definitely on our Facebook page. Um, if you go on to Relentless Events UK, same as our Instagram page. Um, everything that we do is always detailed on there. Um, if you did want to contact me directly, it's chris at relentlessevents.co.uk. But apart from that, yeah, I think Facebook and Instagram would be the best way. Excellent. Excellent. Well, guys, this is an absolute pleasure. I'm, honestly, man, I've been looking forward to having this segment with you. And like I said, we've only heard nothing but good things from you, man. And I'm really glad we got a chance to connect on this. We, I have a really good feeling that you guys are going to be able to do some fantastic things in this space. I hope so, too. Thank you for believing in us. Of course, man. Of course. All right. Thank you, guys. You know, Alec, one thing I really, really respect about Sakura and other event promoters in general as well is that they, I mean, his background is not informal, like event planning and, and, you know, throwing events and things like that. He was just a person with a vision and a mission. And he wanted to get out there and bring modern day bass music to the UK. I mean, like you just said, Alec, you know, dubstep that originated in the UK, but not the sound that we normally hear here in the US. And that's what he's trying to bring to the UK. And I just have a lot of respect for people like that, that want to try something new. And they know that they have an uphill battle. But I love that there are people who are willing to take on that challenge and that risk. Absolutely, man. It's just a lot of respect, a lot of respect, because that's not an easy thing to do, especially Absolutely. if it's going against the grain a little bit, which I do feel like it is. We are always going to put these guys on and uh, I can't wait to see what Sakura does next. He's, he really amazing. does pull in some fantastic names, like really big shout out to him. Yeah, he's just done an amazing job. And just, you know, you can hear the passion when you talk to him, right? Like he's just really passionate about making this a thing over in the UK and making it totally, you know, more than just what it is right now, because there's so much potential for it. Like there's just so much bloody potential. So shout out to you man and all the artists that are working with you great great stuff all right dude we've got one last major news and culture section my man this topic is going to be quite divisive for quite a lot of people now coronavirus has been across every news major station that you could think of and all over social media but we decided that we're going to go through and try to take as objective as approach we can to how you know what coronavirus is you know what what's been going on with it as well as its effect and potential impact on the edm scene so Smith, let's kick it off with you. I know that you've been doing some really awesome research, and I've just been talking a hell of a lot this episode. But <laughs> I wanted I want <laughs> yeah, ca- to hear your, your voice there, Alec. <laughs> as well. Uh, but dude, let's let's dig into this, man. Uh, what's the kind of the quick thing you know for people who I don't know if they've been living under a rock, but must be a really bloody big rock. But coronavirus, yeah. kind of what's going on with it? What's in the news? How's it affecting EDM? Like Alex said, we're gonna really try to stay as neutral about this topic as possible not really swinging towards one end or the other end of the political spectrum so you got what you guys will notice is that our sources for what we're going to be talking about right here in this section you're going to see it in the show notes on the website but our sources are coming from the cdc that's our u.s government organization the center for disease control and also from harvard medical school they put out a fantastic question and answer document and uh, it, it really does a great job of giving a good overview as to what the impact of the coronavirus looks like today in everyday life. But let's talk about this from an EDM perspective, right? Guys, we already know Ultra Music Festival in Miami, for what they say, 
has been postponed. They're calling it a postponement. So let's just talk about what's happening here. Basically, Ultra Music Festival is moving what would have been this year's iteration of the festival to next year. They're calling it a postponement. In my opinion, that's just a fluffy way of saying it's been canceled. There are a lot of implications with canceling an event outright for festivals and shows just in general. When an event is canceled outright, everybody's issued a refund, without a doubt. When it comes to a postponement, the person, the ticket holder, is able to decide, and you know we've seen this in the past, but a person is able to decide, okay, should I hold on to this ticket and I would be able to use it for the next iteration of the festival or the show, or should I do a refund? And I think Ultra's goal here is to minimize the amount of refunds that they're going to have to give out with this postponement. Why? Well, let's talk about this, right? We were only two weeks away from Ultra Music Festival happening. If you guys watch the live webcam that faces Bayfront Park, you would see that they were actually starting to do the setup for Ultra Music Festival. Vendor deposits have already been paid for. All the organization for building the stage, all that stuff, all the talent that they had, it's all already been organized and deposits and a lot of money has already been spent for a festival to not happen. So now to have to completely refund everybody's money would be really, like it'd be a huge cost to Ultra and a huge blow to their organization. So that's Ultra Music Festival. Tomorrowland Winter is also kind of in a similar vein here, but they outright canceled the event. The French government was basically telling them that they cannot put put on this event due to the growing concern with coronavirus, right? So these guys straight up canceled the event. They were still they were still allowing people to hold on to like their lodging and ski packages, but when it came to the festival ticket uh, and to your overall package, you had the option to completely do a refund or hold on to only parts of your travel package associated with Tomorrowland Winter. So that's what's going on right now with coronavirus from what we're seeing right here in the EDM scene. But now obviously guys, like there is a lot of fear as to what's going to happen to other mass gatherings in the scene. It could be your local show that, you know, you have going on in your city. It could be EDC Vegas. It could be Tomorrowland, like the actual iteration of Tomorrowland in July. Crossed just happened this past weekend in San Diego, California. So the problem with coronavirus right now, from what I've been able to gather, is that, to be honest, not a lot is known about what's going on with it. We still don't know exactly how it's spreading. There's still a lot of speculation as to how that works. Yes, we have some idea. We do, but we don't know, like, is it more likely to spread through people touching services or is it airborne or through food? Like, that's what I love about this Harvard Medical School Q&A is that it did a really great job of laying out, like, what do we actually know about the coronavirus? We know the symptoms associated with it. We know the mortality rate associated with it. But there are a lot of precautions being taken right now to minimize the spread, because to be completely honest, nobody really knows how it spreads 100%. 100%. Right. We we know bits and pieces. And I think that's that's the, the key with any new outbreak of, of virus or even bacteria for that matter. It's it takes a while to truly understand how it is spreading. Right. So we mm-hmm. do know that droplets right from when people are sneezing or coughing. That is one way that we know it definitely spreads. But as Samir said, we, you know, the whole hard thing where people are like, okay, I don't want to be careful of touching things. We know that it can spread that way, right? I mean, but that's really if you touch it and then you're touching your, your nose or your mouth or your mouth, right? I mean, that's really kind of the, the entry points for the virus. So you'd be touching something and then you're touching your face. Like, you're probably, you know, that might be one way of spreading it. But we don't really know how easy it is to, right? And partially that's because we don't know how long it will necessarily stay on surfaces right we have an idea like a range it could be from a few hours even days but there's so many different varying factors on there there's not one real 
solid answer saying okay after x amount of time it's going to die on being out on exposed on the surface this is this is where i want to say that it's very it's it's different from influenza because influenza remember while there's a lot of different strains every year and it's seasonal we know quite a lot about influenza right we know we're still working on things such as a universal flu vaccine i'm not talking about understanding it to that degree but we understand how it spread we can predict when things are going to come we can even to a degree now start predicting what types of strains right and create vaccines every year to fight against it it's not always 100 percent effective but we we can predict it this new type of coronaviruses, there's, there's, this is the third one that's in the human-to-human transmission arena, right? There's two other ones, but this is the third. That's why they call it novel coronavirus, because it's in, in COVID-19. Ch- COVID-19, yeah. exactly, right? And that's why they were saying people probably confused, like, why are they calling it novel? Well, like, it's because it's one of the newer ones, right? But it's we already have to deal with other coronaviruses. But what's really kind of disconcerting about this is the fact that you can spread it to other people without displaying symptoms that's something that has been recently confirmed right we know the incubation period is anywhere from probably Mm -hmm. five days to 14 days even as long but Mm -hmm. the fact that you can spread it to other people about displaying symptoms makes it very very difficult to quarantine this is unlike SARS and MERS which is where you would only start spreading it once you started displaying symptoms so you can contain it you can quarantine it the public health actions that we currently are employing would have been were effective and that's why we were able to stop it however since you can spread it right without even knowing that you have it makes it it's like gonorrhea (laughs) (laughs) i'm just stating a fact okay oh god i love you man (laughs) oh dear lord yes i guess it is kind of like gonorrhea fine (laughs) just in the like the incubation yes yes exactly yeah but but long story short, I'll get to the I'll get to the the TLDR here. Um, I'm worried about it for a few reasons. One, because of how easily it seems to be spreading, and that you can spread it without knowing. This virus is likely to become endemic, meaning that it is part of the seasonal or yearly viruses that we have to fend off and battle off because it's just going to be sustained community human to human transmission of the virus. Now, that is why I'm worried about it. Everyone is freaking out right now, and I get it from an individual perspective, at a 2% to 3% you know, mortality rate. That's still a lot of people, first of all. Like, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, That's totally. still a shitload of people. So totally. seasonal flu usually is only 0.05 to 1%, right? This year's is particularly bad. But usually it's that. So while, yes, it's not as bad as something like SARS and MERS, which was the th- around a 36% to 40% at times, you have to worry about it because 2% is still a high mortality rate for an endemic virus, right? Something that we have to start dealing with on a yearly basis. Furthermore, on top of that, we still don't really know how it's going to mutate, right? So it could become potentially even more dangerous. So when people are freaking out about coronavirus, I think people are freaking out about the wrong things, right? I think there's a lot of spread of misinformation you know, Samir will dive more into this, but there's a lot of, you know, racism that comes evolved from it and people are kind of freaking out over, you know, oh my God, if I get it, am I going to die? Chances are, if you're in good shape, you are healthy, you don't have pre-existing conditions, you're not, you know, unfortunately above the age of like, you know, 50 or 60, you mm-hmm. are most likely going to be fine. You may even just have a very mild case of it. But the reason why you should be concerned, and I think everyone should be concerned, is the fact that we don't want this to become endemic. Why do you want another virus to be in the cycle of human-to-human viruses that we have to deal with uh, on a regular yearly basis? That is what I'm concerned about. 
So num- that's point number one is the fact that it's gonna, you know, most likely to become endemic. Point number two is why this really scares me. Actually, has really nothing to do with the virus itself. It's the fact that it just shows how unprepared we are globally to tackle a new virus that came. And to be honest, we're kind of fortunate the mortality rate isn't high to, higher with this. If this was another type yeah. of virus that would kill off more people, that's a scary thought. Yeah, like the Black Plague. Yeah, you know? or the Spanish influenza, right? Yeah. When that spread about in the early 20th century. So those are my two points, man. Those are kind of my takeaways for people. Is like, look, you need to just calm down. Don't get all like crazily freaked out about it, right? But the reason why you should be concerned about it is not because you're necessarily going to die if you get it or it's the worst but it has this potential to become endemic so wash your hands don't spread it to other people and any other way don't don't overlook it right like this is this is not something to be overlooked so just relax wash your hands stop touching your face all the time when you're going out to places right dirty bums dirty people um but just don't i, I guess i'm a dirty bum because i, I touch my face a lot <laughs> it's <laughs> i hard. wash my hands i know it's I, hard yeah, though, I, I, it's I touch hard. my face a lot yeah. it is hard it's yeah. very i have difficult. a beard too and like sometimes if I, don't I know wash, it's like you scratch yeah. it or whatever yeah, yeah. it's, it, like it's, hard. It. yeah. <laughs> it's it, absolutely but that's just kind of the the message for people from me is the fact that just you know be concerned about the the right things with it don't be overly freaked out um about yeah the virus itself anyhow submit back to you i want to put my arms around this now from an edm perspective yes i understand i understand that there are a lot of people upset about the cancellation of festivals trust me let me let me tell you guys a little story back in march of 2017 i had tickets to go see eric pritz in a brooklyn warehouse there were two shows the friday night one went off without a hitch the saturday night one got canceled and shut down by city officials and I had tickets for the Saturday one, and I was gutted. I was so upset that the show got canceled. I had an Airbnb, everything ready to go. Just as we were about to get into the Uber, we got the notice. So I, I do sympathize with people being upset. However, we need to realize that these decisions that are being made, they're not easy decisions to make. Do you really think that Ultra Music Festival wanted to, wanted to what they say, postpone this year's festival? Do you really think they wanted to do that? No. Obviously not. They want to make their money. They want you people spending money at their festival. Tomorrowland Winter, same situation. And look, I don't doubt that we're going to see future cancellations. And I really hate to take such like a like a pessimistic light on this. I, I really do. As an avid raver and a festival goer, the last thing I want is for my vacations to be you know turned upside on their head. But the reality of the situation is that I think we should all be ready for those decisions to be made to cancel massive public events and everybody should just kind of brace themselves i'm not one to usually invest in travel insurance and this is by no means endorsement for any particular company but i think in this case it actually might be a pretty important thing to invest in when you're booking flights yeah it's it's you have to be smart about it right you just have to be smart about it and just be aware that there's it's going to be a bit of a hassle for a while now right yeah like unfortunately it is you just have to deal with it but don't get upset with the you know with the festivals yeah. because what are they going to do right i mean that they, they have to do they have to do this like they can't i mean just having so many people in a, con, in a confined space absolutely look, look this way look if you went there right and you became really sick from it everyone's gonna be criticizing it. everyone's gonna be like why in the hell do you have it so like 
you have to show some sympathy here for Ultra. You have to show some sympathy for all the conference organizers and whatever it may be, EDM or otherwise. But you just can't get upset over the fact that they're canceling it because it is for the public good and for the public health. And it's not... Absolutely. It, it really is. And it's just like, it, regardless of... And I heard some people being like, oh, you know, they're over-exaggerating, over-hyping it. It's like, regardless, it's just like, who wants to get sick? Like, I mean, it's, uh, I know for real. You know, for real. I'm like, I get it, but like, people need to stop treating being sick like it's no big deal, like it's nothing. Like, being sick first of all is not fun, but two, it's not just about you. You don't want to give it to everyone else. So, absolutely, ultra doing this is honestly, in my opinion, a very smart move. I completely agree. And so, one thing, unfortunately, that the coronavirus has kind of brought about is it's kind of rearing up some pretty ugly racism that we're seeing in society in general, but also in surprisingly the edm scene once a scene that preaches love and respect like we just talked about earlier with the house music uh overview that alec just did and uh unfortunately the coronavirus has brought about some pretty ugly racism that i i just feel incredibly incredibly impassioned that i feel like i need to talk about this ladies and gentlemen welcome to episode 50's anti-plur moment here we go there is a lot of anti-asian sentiment right now in society associated with the coronavirus. Look, we all know where the virus had started. However, that doesn't mean that every Asian person that you see carries a risk of infecting you with coronavirus. That doesn't mean that you should be saying, oh, good, I'm glad, you know, the festival got canceled. Now, you know, Asian people, Chinese people won't come to my city. I saw some comments like that when Ultra canceled the festival in Miami. What the fuck is that even about, man? The reason why this hits so close to home for me especially is as a South Asian American, I grew up here in the U.S., as a South Asian American, after 9-11 happened here in this country, I, especially as I was growing up, when I was going through elementary school and middle school, I experienced a lot of racism directed towards me because of the color of my skin. And people would make comments about me, you know, calling me a terrorist, people would call my family terrorists like it was disgusting and it was really really hard to grow up and go through that period of time in my life and the last thing that I want to see now is for Asian Americans to experience something like that you know what I mean all throughout history minority groups have been targeted for events that they had no control over and we need to nip this shit right now in the bud okay First of all, this shit shouldn't be happening in society, and this sure as hell should not be happening in the EDM scene. A scene that preaches peace, love, unity, and respect. If you're carrying that kind of ugly shit in your head, thinking that every Asian person that you see is going gonna, is gonna to infect you with coronavirus, get the fuck out of here. Nobody has time for that. And if you're listening to this podcast and you believe that, get out. Turn off this podcast. Don't ever come back to it because we do not need you to be a part of the EDM champion family. That is not the type of people that we want to be a part of the scene. And that is not the type of person that should even be allowed to communicate with others. It is just absolutely disgusting to see that sort of sentiment being carried by some folks. And it's got to stop. Uh, absolutely. It's it's not only disgusting, it's moronic. <laughs> to be it, it's just it, fucking stupid. It's, like, it's I very like, dumb. Like, who who thinks that? Like, seriously. You know, it, it's like, and, and this is the thing where it just it just shows again the fact that things can be so easily misconstrued. Information about yeah. things can be so easily misconstrued, 
and for just some horrible, horrible purposes, right? And I think that's part of the problem is that people look at the fact that it started off in China, so then they generalize it to all Chinese people, right? And just really actually from there to all Asian people. <laughs> let's, let's be real. Like, it's not just the people, yeah, it, it's applied to all <sighs> yeah. Asian people. And, you know, it, it's a problem that we've seen throughout, you know, all of human history, where we as creatures are really quite terrible we have a lot of biases, right? A lot of cognitive yeah. biases. And so we're very terrible with this particular point of generalization. We like to generalize things, right? If we see something happen one time, we see, you know, one person do one thing, you know, we're going to try, make it as easy as possible to comprehend and understand. And if they're, you know, black or brown, then we're just going to associate whatever behavior they've done with, you know, all people who look similar that way, right? It's totally. a cognitive bias. It is bullshit, Right. Now, if you catch yourself feeling that way, look, I mean, I can understand it. I think that there are going to be people who might once or twice are going to start thinking about that, right? Now, just remember when that thought comes into your head, you're like, ah, maybe I shouldn't go around Asian people. Just remember that you're employing a humongous fucking cognitive bias right there an absolute fallacy (laughs) that is completely illogical and doesn't make any fucking sense it's like if you looked at the pure numbers of things right if you looked at all of the people that there are in china right and you look at the amount of people in the world and you look at the amount of people that are infected right it's not just in china anymore it's absolutely everywhere first of all so you can't just say it's all just asian people Secondly, every Asian person you meet is not from Wuhan, right? Okay, or they don't (laughs) know someone from Wuhan. It's a big place. Don't get me wrong. Probably a lot of connections and associations there. But not every Asian person you meet is from there. So to to hear it in the news, to take that one example where you're like, okay, I heard on the news that it's from, you know, Hubei province in China. It's from Wuhan. And then just realize that if you start getting scared when you looked at other Asians in the streets, just remember that you're generalizing that, right? You are completely generalizing it. It's completely illogical. And you need to honestly just cut it out, right? So yeah. it's it just... There's no better way to say it. You just have to cut it out, right? So this is not... We're not saying that everyone who's ever thought that, right, is an outright racist, okay? Yeah. No. Sorry, I got heated on that. No, yes, you are, dude, you are no, right. but you yeah. should. But I think this is, but I think this is an important point you brought up, and like you should get heated, right? Because it is racist. But just because you, as a person, like there's a there's a continuum of things. There are people who are going to be outright just completely racist, right? If you're out there tweeting about this stuff, saying you shouldn't go around it, like you're you're racist, right? You're kind of too far gone. This is for all the people who are a little <laughs> bit more moderate, right? People who have a brain. Okay, just realize that this is just part and parcel of a cognitive flaw that we've developed right as as totally. human beings and it's okay but you have to but by you yourself using introspection to see this cognitive bias in action in real time and nipping it in the bud there that is going to help the cause against racism in general really really a lot by a lot right yeah so Samir, you should 100%, everyone should be outraged by this, but just remember that you can, this is something that we can control. This is this is a social construct. It's not something that's just out there and is always bound to happen. I've always hated when people say, you know, it's just inevitable. It's always a thing, right? It's kind of like, sounds to be like a cop out for not doing anything about it, right? right. So just you as an individual, if you start feeling like you start, you ha- start having those little thoughts, just nip it in the bud right there and then, right? Nip it in the bud right there and then. And when you hear other people talking about it, call them out for it right 
be like, dude, that's just such bullshit, right? Because we all have heard probably somebody say something like that, right? Of course. You've got to be yeah. like, that's bullshit. Come on. Like, that you don't actually believe that. And I think a lot of the time you'll find when you get people to actually think about it, they're like, yeah, it's kind of stupid to believe that. Yeah, th- thank you for letting me, like, rant on that for a little bit, just because <laughs> I, I truly, truly sympathize with groups and I'm so sorry, being man. targeted. And I'm really sorry. Like, it's just, it's such a horrible situation, and I'm so sorry that, that y- you have to be, had to have gone through those things as well, and even potentially now right i'm just for everybody who has to go through it it just it sucks as another human being exactly. to another I, I i feel sorry like I've, I've learned a lot from that experience and just like it i think it's made me a really really compassionate person to groups being targeted for things that they just can't control thank you for letting me rant on that guys how do you feel about what we just talked about how do you guys feel about this let us know let us know instagram at btb.pod we got twitter it's at pod btb we got a brand new beautiful website www beyondthebeats.co not com we're working on the com as Alec has said connect with us let us know your thoughts because uh, this is a conversation and uh, we want to make sure that you guys are included as, as well in this our EDM champions Alec let's uh, let's talk about some more interesting stuff happening in the EDM scene right now you ready for this? absolutely let's get where are we going? the vibe back up we are diving into the what are we listening to section and my man before we dive into this we do have a very unique racing scale here so why don't you give everyone a brief rundown on it guys here on beyond the beats we have a very unique rating scale and it ranges from levels one through five level one is what we call one listen it's where you listen to a track and you're probably never ever going to listen again but you're encouraging other people to give it a listen Level two is what we call background noise. It's when a song comes on, it's playing in the background, you're not gonna really do anything with it, you might be doing other things, you're not too bothered by it, but it's there to keep you company. Level three is what we call turn it up. It's when a song comes on, you grab the volume knob and you turn it up. Level four is what we call just bought tickets. It's when you listen to a piece of music, you listen to an artist and you immediately look up the next time that they're coming to your town and you gotta buy those tickets. And level five is speechless. It's just you and the music. The song transports you into another world and literally leaves you speechless. So to recap, level one is one listen. Level two is background noise. Level three is turn it up. Level four is just bought tickets. And level five is speechless. Let's get back to it. Okay, my man. We're going to be talking about David Getter, right? Superstar DJ. Everyone knows him. Teaming up with Morton for Detroit, their track, the 3 a.m. edition of it. It's fantastic, okay? Chet Porter and Alice in Wonderland as well with their track, Bond. These are the two tracks that we're going to give our thoughts and reviews on. It's, 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 I, it's a great I name. I said that I'm very sorry, much and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's a great name. Like, Bond. I'm like, okay. I was, I was <laughs> trying to deliver that one with a straight face. Um, <laughs> it's hard to. It yeah. is hard. Okay, let's, let's dig into David Guetta and Morton's song, Detroit. Man, this this surprised me. It it, it shocked me as well, Alec, and I'll tell you it why. Shocked me. Go ahead. We talked about this with Alesso song at the top of the show, right? We talked about it in the new music section. Another prime example right here of how artists recognize that the raw sound of EDM that we heard in 2011, 2012, and 2013 is missed. It's missed. And and David Guetta teaming up with Morton for this song, Detroit 3 AM, I mean, they, they really knocked it out of the park. They gave it a really nice old school house tech house stomper you know what i'm saying man like it's just it feels it feels like a really really great energetic danceable song 
Now, here's the thing. Here's what I'm picturing right now, right? I'm at Tomorrowland 2020. David Guetta is up on stage. You know, he just played Like I Do. He just played uh, Titanium. Still a great song, by the way. (laughs) I mean, he's playing all these bangers. Everybody's jumping up and down. Everybody's singing along. And then, boom, what is that kick I hear coming in? Dude, that's Detroit 3 a.m. And then I look around me. I look at the faces around me. People are like... What is what is this? What's I don't like this. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to another stage. Why is David Guetta playing this techno shit? I'm gonna go see anything, the chain smokers. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> anything that people don't recognize is automatically construed as techno shit, right? And I see people walking away from the stage. You hear it all the time. Uh and, and you see people walking away from the stage. I'm staying there, dude, and I'm closing my eyes. I'm fist pumping. This is a really, really cool song, and I love to see when artists are like, you know what? I know you guys are used to this particular sound from me, but and I know I just started an alias called Jack Back, but how about this? How about how about this under the David Guetta name? A little something new for you, baby. This is perfect. The name of it is perfect. Detroit 3 a.m. It, it's it, it's really, really great song. Alec, what do you think? I agree with you, man. And I think it's a very interesting point that you raised about how he's using this under his own brand, his current alias, the David Guetta yeah. brand, right? Because I think he is starting to bridge almost the gap between his David Guetta sound and his Jack Back sound, right? This is kind of like a song that you can kind of put in, if it's a continuum from Big Rune to just, you know, more Tech House, um, then this is kind of a song that's going to be in the middle. I think this will work really nicely in all the sets. And actually, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say that I think a lot of people are actually going to like this when they hear it live. It's a wave right now. It's all moving this way. Okay. That's what I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about, you know, all the people you expect. You know, we, we have our friends, the main stage lovers, right? I of think course. those people who camp out at the main stage, I think they might appreciate this song. Now, I don't think they'll appreciate it in isolation. I think if it came on on the radio, then they'd be like, ah, I'm not really, what is this techno shit? As you said before, right? <laughs> so eloquently, because they do, people do say that. Now that That's what they say. They do, they really do. Thinking about it now, they really do. Um, <laughs> it's quite funny, actually. But I think when they will hear this in a set, though, I think they might like it, because it can really switch up the, the vibe of, of the set, right? And the energy level. I think it's, it's just gonna, it's something that's different. And I think that people are slowly but surely being introduced to tech house and house more so than ever before by main stage DJs. So I actually think that if he drops this, and I'm sure he will, right? And his next bet, uh, you know, big main stage thing in, in the US, I think it's, there's going to be a little bit more positive reception than you might initially think. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, okay. different take, right? Yeah. I guess we'll have to see when we see uh, David Guetta That's at EDC absolutely this year. A, we'll have to see. <laughs> without, without a doubt. No, without a doubt. Alec, this next one, another really interesting track. And a very interesting name. Chet Porter, Allison in Wonderland, teaming up for the song Bummed. Really excited to hear your thoughts on this one. What do you think? I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it. Okay. I didn't love it. I think, to me, it just didn't... I don't know. There's not. It didn't quite... How, how, first of all, what would help me here is how would you categorize this in terms of like a, a genre? Yeah, so Alec, I also had a really, really hard time trying to figure out what exactly to categorize this song as. Because, you know, when you think electronic music, you see the names Chet Porter, you see the name Alice in Wonderland. This is not the sound that you're expecting from them. No, not and at I all. Like, yeah, and I like that they really shocked their audience with this song. And I think I would agree with you, like... This song maybe necessarily didn't really hit the mark for myself, but I really like the creativity and I like their back and forth on this song as well, right? Like you it's the song is basically talking about feelings associated with depression. And I really, really like 
that, you know, we have people like Chet Porter and Alice in Wonderland raising awareness through the music that they mm-hmm. create, where, like, if somebody is feeling low and they hear this song, they might realize that big names like even Alice in Wonderland and Chet Porter also feel the same sort of emotions that somebody sitting in their bedroom might feel. You know what I mean? Like, it's a song that I feel like helps people not feel alone. So I really appreciate it from that aspect, especially with this really huge surge of emotional wellness in the music industry. So, so I like it from that perspective. However, I don't know, the composition of the song for me, like, I, it just didn't really grab me yep. as it might grab other people. I, I'm right there with you, man. And that is a very good point that you raised about kind of the mental health awareness association that's with the song you know it's it's definitely i appreciate it from that perspective but i agree with you just from the composition standpoint it's, it's not something that really grabs me too much and i don't want to you know, I'm, I'm struggling here because it's hard to say i don't want to say i dislike it but it's not that i like it either you know what i mean yeah. i could appreciate yeah. it probably more than exactly. i enjoy it yeah Exactly. And I just want to read a really interesting snippet here that Chet Porter said to Billboard Dance. And it says here, my music making process is super DIY, do it yourself. So I think it's mad cool that Allison wanted to be a part of it, especially since this more indie type of song is not what you'd usually expect from her. I wanted to add more electronic influence. So me and quite bison ended up messing around over the bridge while he was at my house one night the whole thing was written produced mixed and mastered in my room with friends so like you you can like i said you could tell you could feel the emotion from the song you could tell how heavily influenced this song was was from chet porter and alice in wonderland and and also quite bison who was an artist that we're watching which is really cool i just learned that but like alec and i have said like it maybe just didn't hit the mark for us as well right. as it hit for other people it, ex- exactly exactly like i want to appreciate the message <laughs> yeah so, I, I agree no 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 i was just gonna say i'm right on board with you then man i, yeah. I think it, that's actually a really neat story i just wanted to say that yeah um i did not know that yeah that's that's really fascinating we'll have to, we'll have to we'll put that into the show notes so people can go and read that too but totally my man it's that time all right let's do it all right man <sighs> okay okay david getter morton Detroit 3 a.m. What are you going to give it, Smith? Oh, there's some... Okay. Is this a dr- for dramatic effect or is this a genuine... No, no. Um, I'm giving it some good thought. The Ooh. wheels are turning and I'm going to have to give this one a Just Bought Tickets. Ooh, very Dude, nice. once again, David Guetta is showing... And Morton, of course. David Guetta and Morton are showing that, you know what? Forget what you know about me. I'm trying some new shit. I'm taking risks. If you like it, great. If you don't, whatever. I love that J- that he didn't release this under Jack Back. Like Jack Back is a really, really great alias, but that is literally true tech house. Yes, absolutely. This one is house, tech house, and it's got a really thumping kick to it. It is a really danceable song, and I love that David Guetta is saying like, hey, you know what? This is the kind of music I make, and it doesn't fit perfectly with my Jack Back alias, so I'm going to release this under my true name, a name that is followed by millions and millions of dance music enthusiasts all over the world who know him for a particular big room sound. He's changing it up. I'm a fan. Alec, what'd you think? Dude, very nice rating on that one. Oh, man, they put me in the hot seat with this. Um, yes, sir. Okay. You know, I'm actually going to give it a just turn it up, a level three out of five. Okay, now that's good, not good. Now, that's not bad. Now, I'm staying true to the fact that I'm going to be a little bit more picky on the Just Bought Tickets. And the reason why is like, this is definitely a song that's a banger and I would turn up if I heard it on the radio. In fact, it's definitely going to be something that I would download and play if I was screwing around on the decks, right? But I say just in of itself as a song, like I can appreciate what he's doing and how he's doing it. 
But it's just for me, if I was just looking at it and I didn't know that David Guetta was associated with this, I'd be like, okay, this is a good song, but it's not something that's going to completely turn me on to seeing that person, if that makes any sense. Sure. So I, I can I can sympathize that. Yeah. yeah that sounds, so that, I really like the song. It's a it's a great song. It's very well done, but I'm just it's not quite there for me to be like, okay, I'm going to go see a David Guetta set. You know what, man? Appreciate the honesty right there. Absolutely. Let's turn it over to Chepor and Alice in Wonderland, Alec. Give me your give me your honest rating. What do you oh, think? Oh man, I feel kind of bad doing this, but I'm gonna give it a. I think you and I are gonna be on the same page. Yeah, on this I one, feel but, bad. So doing you're not it. alone. Yeah, um, I'm gonna give it a level two out of five. Um, background noise. Yeah. It's just it's just something for me that it's not a song that I'm gonna be playing out a lot. But again, as we've said, and I want to reemphasize it, I'm sure there's gonna be people who will really really enjoy this song. So this is not me saying it's a bad song. This is me saying that it's not necessarily the song for me. That's all. Like, if this was a bad song, we would literally give this a one out of five, right. one listen. And this is not a bad song. It's not a bad song. It's got a great message behind it. And I really like that it, you know, for me, it feels like people can really sympathize with Chet Porter and Alice in Wonderland. And it might help them not feel so alone if they're going through a tough time. So that's why I really like this song a lot. But I will agree with you, Alec. Like, it's just not a song that is going to make me want to turn it up. If it's on in the background, fantastic. Whatever. Like, I, it's something that I'll listen to if it's there. So this is also going to be a background noise for me, not discounting the power and the message of this song, but it's just something that didn't hit for us, and that's just our personal opinion on this one. Yeah. No, I think that's yeah. very well said. And You're not alone, Alan. I know. Thank Don't you, man. Worry, you baby. didn't have me hang, leave me hanging about over there. about to throw shots at you. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting ready for all the Twitter fingers. Yeah, then again, I'm not, yeah, I, I don't use Twitter really, so yeah. I don't have to worry Hashtag about that. Hashtag cancel BTB. <laughs> all right. Alec, Dude. where are we going, baby? Oof, this let's is let's it. wrap this episode Wrapping up, up yeah. episode 50 with some absolute bangers from some up-and-coming raw talents this is the artist we're watching section okay who wants to take this off who wants to kick it off can i have you put your boogie shoes on because i'm gonna take you Hold over on, let me just lace up one second yeah okay. get, just make sure they're nice and tight you I know i've to... seen you dance and like sometimes you kick your shoes up into the crowd like, you're like <laughs> no, that guy okay. that we talked no, about no 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 <laughs> like Do not we talked about the fake fake moment last week absolute fake news that is rubbish <laughs> that has never happened not once <laughs> My shoes Alec. are very tightly fitted, I'll have you know. Yeah, you know what? Just, just double double uh, loop them just in case. Alec, I want to introduce you to Shadows. That's spelled S-H-D-W-S. I don't know what it is about DJs and producers, but they hate vowels for some reason. I don't get it. Guys, it's A-E-I-O-U and sometimes Y. Um, <laughs> let's, let's do it. Okay. I want to play this song for you. It's called Keep It Low. This song is going to really make you get low. It's released on Night Bass Label, the label that's headed up by AC Slater. So you guys you guys already know what you're in for, a little bit of house music, something to make you stomp your feet and move to the beat. Here we go. This is Shadow's song, Keep It Low. Check it out. Yeah. Man. 
heavy, but in the, yeah, yeah, it's it's heavy in the house sense, right? I just, I love. That's why I want to make sure your shoes were laced. I know, out. Man, like, I'm just I was, concerned. I know. Thank you. I, I could have tripped over honestly when yeah. I was shuffling out here, just you know, by myself. Um, it's 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 honestly a fantastic track. How do you come across Shadows? I just like to click around on SoundCloud. That's just how it is. Like you know. We've talked about this before, and sometimes we kind of rail on SoundCloud a little bit, but SoundCloud really is the number one platform to find up-and-coming talent, and we are really, really big fans of a lot of art. Like, a lot of the arts that we find on the show come from us perusing through SoundCloud, and that's how I found Shadows. Look, big fan of house music over here, so this is really a no-brainer when I first started to hear this song kind of build up, but when it drops, dude, it really, really drops. It's something that has a lot of energy, and I just love, like we talked about with the history of house music, I love how the kick is just absolutely driving the song to make people want to move. And that's what dance music is all about, baby. It's got to make you dance. I feel like this song is definitely going to make some people dance, right? Absolutely. Check this out. His songs have been played by AC Slater, Jack Beats, Botneck, Bijou, all artists that we're huge fans of. I mean, this guy, not only does he have this song Keep It Low release on Night Bass Records, but he also has a whole EP called the Dark Side EP released on Night Bass also peep this i had a really hard time picking which song i want to play for you guys out here on the show i don't normally like to play remixes on the show but he also has a fantastic fantastic flip of diplo and side pieces song on my mind you guys i'm telling you right now please go to beyondthebeast.co go click on the show notes for episode 50 right here and go find this guy i mean you are gonna love his sound if you enjoy house music especially if you enjoy night bass alec my that's man. my spiel wow Thank you so much. And just Shadows is definitely on my radar. And hopefully it's on Love all it. of our champions' radars too. But let me add another person on there for you. Continuing the house music trend. We've got a bass house and house artist by the name of Brave Tone. Hailing all the way from Turin in Italy. This is the sound of Brave Tone. This is going to make you just want to dance and shuffle your ass off. And make you go damn. Well, guess what? This track is called Damn, and you're going to hear it drop now, and you're going to want to dance. Take a listen. I just need to adjust my Velcro shoes. Just give me one second, all right? <laughs> you got history of house music got going all retro over here, man. The Velcro. Yeah, yeah dude. And the, I, they, they light the, up. The pants come off too. Them. Can you just Velcro yeah, pants? Yeah, they're pretty yeah? dope. <laughs> I got my big flowy pants on right now. <laughs> Alec, seriously, dude, this is sweet. You know, I just, I love, like, you texted me this song, like, a couple days ago. That's right. Like, you know, really, really early on in the week, and you're like, this is my artist that I'm watching. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Alec is feeling the passion for Brave Tone. Really, really about this song as well, man. It's, it's just that nice four to the floor. It's a little bit minimal, but it's got enough, 
enough interesting pieces to the song to really make it drive and get stuck in your head. I'm a big fan of this one, Alec. Absolutely, man. I mean, he's just coming out of nowhere. Just came across on my SoundCloud profile. I was like, what is this guy? Where is he from? And how is he doing this? He's only got a couple thousand followers on SoundCloud, right? So still in that development stage. But I tell you, this person is going to blow up. He's been supported already by the likes of David Guetta, right? We just talked about Oh, wow. Yeah, That's yeah. awesome. Tommy That's so cool. Sunshine. Oh, what? Uh-huh. Other artists we're watching. Honey and Badger. Clank. Oh, nice. Gabba. Mysteria. So you've got these young, up-and-coming producers also supporting him. And then you've got the OGs, David Guetta and Tommy Sunshine, just to mention a couple. So he's getting some real traction there. He's getting all the people out shuffling in the streets, probably of Chira and everyone saying, okay, screw the coronavirus. I'm just going to start shuffling some brave tone house beats, <laughs> right? That's what's going on over there in Italy. You can go see it for yourself. Dude, if you're ever in the US, absolutely would love to catch you. Big fan of your music. Alec wonderful absolutely wonderful man this felt I, I just can't believe we're 50 episodes I in dude I, I cannot believe it <laughs> it's oh. it's insane no it's it's an insane thing and just thank you to everyone for sticking with us along the way as we learn and evolve this podcast yeah. and you know we we're really appreciate it honestly just all the everyone that is partaking in this that's supporting the podcast that's recommending it to fellow edm champions out there we really really appreciate it It gives us a lot of motivation and i think it also allows us to provide even more value because at the end of the day that's what we're about which is a couple guys looking to spread the word and the love of electronic dance music nice yeah absolutely man you know just i'm getting all emotional over here man i I love you alec i I fucking love you (laughs) like there's nobody else i'd rather be doing this with man like it's just you're you're one of my best friends and i fucking love doing this with you man absolutely man um with with all that being said thank you guys so much for joining us for episode 50 thank you for first of all thank you for even letting us rant in your ears uh, for 50 episodes thank you for allowing alex to go on tangents (laughs) thank you so much honestly thank you i really appreciate for allowing, <laughs> for allowing me to talk about booty shaking, even though I'm sure it makes some people uncomfortable. Like, thank you guys <laughs> me so much. Like, I just, thank me for letting you talk about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I said, thank you guys. And we truly, truly appreciate everybody out there. You, you know, please, if you're enjoying the show, and we say this every time, like there's that Bernie Sanders meme that, po- that popped up and there's <laughs> one that was really, really funny. I'm once again asking you guys to please leave a rating and review yes. in the Apple podcasting platform or the platform that you guys use. Hit follow, like literally all these actions. They don't take too long, but they really help our podcast reach Big bigger time. and bigger yep. and larger audiences. So we'd really appreciate it. But we will see you guys next week for episode 51 onwards to hit 100 episodes. We'll see you guys soon. Peace.